0: welcome back to the dice breaker podcast this is episode 42 uh Loli's isn't here we've gone through before we started recording we've gone through the whole life the universe and everything thing that's what people yeah. think of so
1: i i looked up the the bingo call in in uh, oh. in Loli's absence uh I googled it and google says it's do a poo 42 it says that in all caps here is, is it actually um, that no no i've I've googled it uh and google the ceo of google has emailed me <laughs> with the result and he says it's do poo 42 that wow. is official oh no sorry i've just just realized uh cc'd in is uh mr bingo uh <laughs> who of course is the cfo of google uh, not the creator of bingo uh but there we go so you're welcome <laughs> Got it covered, ladies. Cheers. Great, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, I'm Matt Jarvis. I'm here with Wills. Uh to, I don't think any introduction's really necessary now, is it? You've kind of introduced yourself in that. Uh Hello, and of course me,
1: I'm Wills, um and I I'm in charge of facts here <laughs> facts. at Icebreaker HQ head My... facts checker. Michael Wiki Wheeland. <laughs> Michael Wiki Wiki Wild West Wheeler. No, that's
0: what I call Wheels of and silently dying of laughter is Alex Meehan.
2: Wheels, you can't do this to me. You can't You can't do that bingo call and then and then reference Wild Path West in the same <laughs> In the space of five minutes, it was a triumphant return.
1: I've not been on in a couple of weeks. I had to come in swinging. Oh,
2: mate. Oh, yeah, I'm here.
1: I'm here for the ride. Right. And of course, it's Matt Jarvis. Yeah, I already introduced myself. <laughs> in charge of having to deal with this.
0: Rounding up the <laughs> poo bandits. Yeah, rounding so up the know. cattle. The Pooh <laughs> Uh we are here to talk about board games. Would you believe it? Um and RPGs and all sorts of tabletop stuff. Um I feel like we should actually find forty two now because otherwise oh God, we're man. spreading false information about the,
1: the forty two <laughs> bingo call.
2: What do you mean it's not that?
1: Oh, you are not gonna believe this. Don't don't Google it because I've just googled it. You are not gonna believe it. The actual bingo call is Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> that can't... Very
2: close.
1: Winnie the Pooh 42. That's what it says.
2: Is that because <laughs> Winnie the Pooh is canonically 42 years old?
1: Or... Yeah, that's, that's why. <laughs> I say which, this which to 25 episodes. Chris Robin has a
0: bit of a weird context now. <laughs> 25 episodes into this prolonged bit that continues to go. Um... I just I am starting to question the validity of some of these bingo calls.
1: Yes. Um well this one's from williamhill.com. So. Uh, known
0: <laughs> yeah, known for
1: bingo. Uh I will I will say that look out for the next bingo call on next week's episodes cuz oh it's a treat. It is, is it, a treat. Is it 43
2: do a Yeah. <laughs>
3: No, it's,
1: it's genuinely worse. <laughs> oh,
2: okay, right, well.
0: Um, but well,
2: let's let's crack on. We yeah, look forward yeah. to next week's episode. Wait, yeah. This
0: episode, you might as well just turn off now. We've really peaked.
2: Enough toilet humour. What are we a comedy with Will Farrell in it? Come on.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Uh, Will Farrell <laughs> Should we talk about board games?
1: Oh right, <laughs> All right.
0: Uh, I'll I'll kick off with what we've been playing this week because I've played nothing this week. I made I plans to play an RPG, and that didn't happen. I saw well, we we were going to try and play Root, and then that didn't happen because I was expecting to play an RPG. Uh, and well, Poor I suppose show. by the time folks listen to this, we will have played Warhammer Age of Sigmar Soulbound, yeah. the RPG, but we haven't played it yet, so I can't I say anything about it. What it's other, like, other than I read through that book and went, "Wow, I really haven't played Warhammer in a long time," or well, I it's... haven't dived deep into
1: Warhammer lore, at least. A lot has changed mm. <laughs> in the worlds, mm. uh, the realms as they are known now known, <laughs> the um, mortal realms, the mortal realms. But yeah, there's there's a there's a lot going on. But we're gonna do some we're gonna do some cool stuff. I have made it a little bit spooky because you know I love spooks. Mm. And so
2: Whoa, so we're gonna be
1: we're gonna be in the realm of death, which is uh which is the shaish uh, realm, mm. uh, which is basically where the gash is. Just like give me all your souls. Um, but yeah, it's I mean,
2: fun. reading through that book, it seemed like every realm was the realm of death. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, the
2: amount of times the word
1: ruthless and merciless was <laughs> used a in that fair book. comment. <laughs>
0: yeah, sometimes the war, like Warhammer, often reads a bit like the lyrics of a band that you know became big in about two thousand and four and had gone by about two thousand and five. Like they just feel very of an of an era of a certain kind of teenage angst a lot of the
1: time the the thing is um so i there's there's like some fun things that you can like deduce about the people who write warhammer by reading warhammer you know what i mean like you can tell that there is obviously at least one person who works there who thinks space marines are really cool uh (laughs) And then, for some reason, people agree with him. Uh, but like, there's there's a part in the book that I was I was putting on the Slack channel when we were talking about it, where it has like, oh, here's like the average height of uh, of you know the the characters you might play. So, for example, if you're playing a Kurnoff, which is like a tree person, they're like ten foot tall, so that's good to know. Um, the Sigmarines, as we call them, or the Stormcast Eternals, which are basically like Space Marines but in fantasy. Mm. are seven and a half <laughs> foot tall and <laughs> they're just all wearing like, platforms that's yeah, the thing like, no got a lot of them do only the only the uh the female characters wear platform boots of course because because you gotta have those combat heels um but yeah like it is ridiculous like how tall they make their characters canonic <laughs>
0: it does feel just a bit like yeah we we make we need to make them look tough how can we make them look tough in an easy way ah just just add an extra couple of feet to them
1: yeah just just make it so that every time they go in a building they have to crouch over. yeah, <laughs> yeah which is because yeah. really
0: the this is it the silver neph, the tree um yes. people ten ten feet is not that tall for a tree i yeah, mean well, particularly if you've then tree. got humans yeah. who are seven foot tall
1: yeah well but mm. then like the dwarves, like the average height is apparently like four and a half foot. So if a if a sigmarine goes to visit a dwarf <laughs> That's like that's like go uh, you know, it's like when Gandalf turns up to the Hobbit House and he's just constantly giving him back pain. So he's having to like completely loom over everywhere he's going. It just seems, yeah, it just seems a bit ridiculous. But there you go. That's the fun thing about Warhammer, is the as, with every aspect of itself that it tries to take seriously, it makes it even more funny. <laughs> oh yeah.
2: I was sat there, imagine me with my reading glasses on, mm-hmm. just looking through all this law and reading about the different archetypes, just being like oh, I'm sorry, what was that again? Oh uh, 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 and just like I've never felt so <laughs> just confused and, and baffled, but also <laughs> Like somewhat intrigued by uh, by what I was reading, but um, mm. we'll see. I do how like we play
0: that for the elves. They just add an A to elf. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, because they Isn't
1: literally it? they they kind of did age sigma because they wanted to have control over the IPs, right? So mm. when when they just had like orcs and elves. It was kind of public domain-y, because it was just like that's just a thing that everyone knows. But yeah, they can they can copyright the term elves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is
0: like Games Workshop's dogged pursuit uh, pursuit of the the term Space Marines, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which yeah, they
2: didn't know. even use the special AE. They could have used that. Many people Ambler
0: in keyford Yeah, everyone would is it elves or is it alves?
1: <laughs> <Eels>. <laughs> because
0: nobody knows whether it's Amber or Ember, it seems, yeah. for Keyforge.
1: It's Amber. 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 Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Sorry, there's you... a very
2: small fly buzzing around me at the moment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's the Games Workshop drone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're about believe to you... hit with a cease and desist. <laughs> Games...
2: <laughs> Games Workshop, if you're listening in on me... Uh, to get an idea of what people think of Warhammer products, you've come to exactly the wrong place, mate, because I have no idea about any of it. Um, so, uh, you know, bad show, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, that's what I've not been playing. What have uh, and let's go to you. What have you been playing this week?
2: Did you say woof? Woof? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say woof.
1: Woof, woof, dog, what you been playing, man?
2: <laughs> he said woof, and I was like, well, what's going on? Um, I have been playing um, Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Uh, it seems I've been playing that game for a, over a year now, maybe?
1: You have, in yeah. your life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: um, yeah uh, we're just taking our time with it, as it were. Um, we're both busy people. So trying to, you know, find time to to play the game together is sometimes a bit difficult. But um, I think we've made it past July now. Uh, And it was the closest month yet. Um, We were very close to losing the game. Uh, We have not lost in... I think we only lost one month. And that was one of the first few months. So we were sat there and we, you know, things were looking pretty bad. And we were like, is this the game like punishing us for doing too well? Is it like, oh, finally your time of reckoning has come? Like, you've been coasting now, it's now it's about to get you know hardcore. Uh, and because we were just getting like epidemic cards, I think we got two in a row, and then we got we got managed to get through four epidemic cards, and there are five in the deck uh it was looking very bad at one point we we managed to win the month only just we took a huge risk at the end there was a very high possibility of us losing if we drew the wrong things but for some reason luck was on our side that time usually it's not usually we draw exactly the wrong card we do not want when an epidemic happens we literally sat there going looking at each other and say okay we cannot draw this one card
1: As long as it's not this one card, everything's fine.
2: The probabilities of it coming up are very low. As long as we don't draw this one card, we're fine. And then my flatmate will just pick up the card and then just
1: drop her head to the table. This exact card. And
2: I'm like, I can't believe this. At one point I was laughing so much because it it was so unlikely that it would happen but it did uh, just laughing and just yep this happens to us uh, and somehow we've won. I'm still convinced we're cheating somehow. We're not consciously doing it. We're just it's a miracle that we're managing to um, win this often but it's getting really good. We reached a new mechanic with with the month we've just done and I think it's going to continue uh, and it still surprises me how much the game continues to evolve even though we're over halfway through, um, and, and there's a little bit of narrative there, sort of. Uh, it, it's good, yeah. And so, you know, as soon as we finish season one, uh, we can play Jaws of Life <laughs> and take three years on that. Uh, yeah, that's what I've been playing. No route this week, so I can't chastise Matt Jarvis about
1: no Scythe update, yeah, yeah, no
2: Scythe <laughs> update either. Been a while since I played Scythe, yeah. Um, who knows we might get a comeback hmm. what about you mr Wheelan?
1: well uh literally yesterday um myself and johnny recorded a let's play of uh a new card game that i believe came out this year that matt will probably know i think it came out last year late last year maybe last year um but it's it's kind of been uh sort of very easy to spot right now because it's been on the front page of Tabletop Sim. Every time you open up Tabletop Sim on the main menu, it's like, check out Din. <laughs> Din's real good. Um, and then Johnny said, oh, by the way, the uh, the devs from Din said that they'd be happy to, to give us uh, a little hand with a playthrough, by the way. And I was like, oh, that sounds fantastic. Let's give it a go. Uh, and Din is brilliant. Uh, it's really, really good. We were like immediately. So we did like a sort of trial run playthrough. Where I was playing against, so we had the lead designer Gabriel on with us. and I was playing against Gabriel as so he was just sort of showing us the rules. And like we picked it up in like a couple of minutes. Like it's, it's really, really simple. You have uh, a deck that's full of heroes, equipment, and um, actions basically. So you play, you both play a hero at the start of the round. The hero has like a power level. Uh, if at the end of the round you you'll have more power than the other person, then they lose health based on how powerful the hero that they played was. So if you play one of your best heroes that you've got in the deck, it might be you lose all your health. If you play one of your middling ones, you lose half. um, or Well, you lose two out of three. And if you play like a slightly rubbish one, you only lose one, right? So it's a risk-reward straight away of if you play a really good hero, you're putting yourself on the line because Mm. you might lose in one go. Uh, But then all you do for a round is you just play two more cards and you both play them... At the same time, you both flip, um, so you can sort of see how. Cause I think it's based on poker, so, it's, so you you see like a run sort of like being hmm. built, and you're like, "Oh, okay." If he's going for that, then maybe they're trying to do that or whatever. Um, and you just play three cards, and then whoever won the round um, gets to you know negate the damage, whereas the person who lost will take the damage. And if you manage to get them to discard all three of their hearts, then you win the game, and it is it's as simple as that. But it is really fun. Like, it's it's got a lot of depth, considering how simple it is. Um, to the point where we were doing our little playtest game, uh, and Johnny was like, uh, Wheels, we do, we do need to start recording, so I know you're having fun, but we do. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> I was just lost in it, because I was completely like, this is brilliant. Um, it's got, like, a very sort of... Uh, like catch-all theme, like it. They haven't like created a universe or anything. So like, I was playing the beast deck. So I had um, you you kind of have like legendary creatures and and myths and characters and stuff like that. So Johnny had like a sort of medieval deck with like King Arthur and Mordred and all that kind of stuff. Whereas I had more like you know I had like the white elephant and the kraken and the leviathan and and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I think there's a horror deck on the way as well mm. for a bit of spooks, man. Spooks. Um, and then there's also um what was the other one i don't know there's there's another one that's available at some point as well so Mm. um the decks are going to be more sort of like themes rather than bingo
2: cool deck
1: bingo cool deck exactly (laughs) that one's that one's coming 2022 so look out for that one um but it's (laughs) it's really really good it's a very like it's quite pretty like it's well designed um, everything is kind of like apart from the rules text on each card it's, it's mainly just sort of iconography and stuff so it's very easy to read and you don't have to like oh what does that icon mean anymore you just have to sort of match so like for example each hero has they're called attributes so you have like these little circles on, on the card so if you want to be able to play a card on top of that hero as part of your second or your third play it has to match so you can't play like a shield card unless the hero has a shield icon on them and stuff like that um, but it's yeah it was really really fun like the the decks were quite thematic as well, so you had like the beasts were all about sort of like willfully taking damage so that you can make yourself more powerful um whereas Johnny's sort of like medieval deck was all about like using equipment and being able to like cycle it out of your deck and and back into your your hand from your graveyard and all that kind of stuff hmm. it was it's really really good fun the The workshop mod is well put together it's free on tabletop sim if you want to give it a go um there'll be a link in the in the let's play description of course. Um, but yeah, really good stuff. Ooh. Really recommend it. Do That's you Din. build Do
0: your deck before you play? Or is it just kind of you start with a deck
1: and you're drawing and then just playing as you go? So um, Gabe was saying it was a deck building game. Obviously, we were playing with pre-built decks. Um, but he kept saying it was a deck builder. So I I think you can build your deck uh, as long as they like match faction. Um, because each each card that I had in my deck had... A little symbol on it that was like the beast Ah, Okay. so because you can only play a card onto a hero that matches a symbol I couldn't grab one of Johnny's cards and shove it in there because it wouldn't match up Um, pardon me but I think um, yeah I think from what what he was alluding to you can build your own decks I'm not sure but also it's one of those uh, games where it's kind of you know like fantasy if I call it living card game right where it's like you buy a set and it always has the same cards in it Mm. for everyone rather than booster packs and that kind of stuff. So if you buy a set, you'll get the same cards as everyone else does when you buy it. Um, but yeah, that's that's available to play right now on Sim, Or you can get it on, I think it's called dincardgame.com or something, but I'm sure we'll have a link to that uh, when Matt writes the description. Sorry, Matt. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, I had a really, really, really good time with that. And I think it's... Um, I I always kind of forget how much I love trading card games until mm. I play mm. one. And then I'm like, oh yeah, this is brilliant. Um, yeah. That's know, something, which I had with had Keyforge, and yeah, it's just, yeah, it's fantastic.
2: That's something that I've surprised myself with, because it's so intimidating. Certain trading card games, or collectible card games, or whatever you want to call them, uh, they can be really intimidating. Like, I won't touch Magic, not because I'm against Magic, just because there's so much already there, mm. that I just feel like it's going to take me a long time to understand how it works. Uh, and even though there are plenty of ways to kind of get into it from the very beginning, I believe they put last year they put out some starter sets for people who want to kind of get into it at this mm-hmm. stage. Matt's he's nodding, he's nodding. Yeah,
0: I mean they do pre-built decks pretty regularly. Do you mean the jumpstart yeah. stuff where That's you one, basically yeah. yeah they're like half decks and you slam them together? It's mm. like I want pirates oh, yeah. and dogs. So I want yeah, a particular yeah. game mechanic and
2: Matt's. yeah. Mm. Brats.
0: <laughs> Brats. I couldn't think of literally any other theme. Though... Game
1: night as well, we did a we did a mm. playthrough of on the channel, which is sort of like hit some decks, shove them together. Yeah. But like the ones that I am kinda
2: of gonna go and enjoyed somewhat, like Keyforge I like, and the Pokemon card game I surprisingly enjoyed. Like we, we didn't play a huge amount of it, um, Matt and I, but what we played, I was like, Yeah, I can understand this. Like, this is this isn't too much um obviously i think it kind of depends on the decks that you get from each game obviously Keyforge is still fairly new so there's not a huge amount of keywords to take in just yet but like that i definitely have a there's a hunger for the trading card games or that kind of feeling you get from playing them but it's got to be enough that i can kind of overcome the ooh nearly uh, there's a lot going on. Here. Mm. <laughs> like that yeah. Yu Gi Oh! Speed duel game we play. <laughs> it's a great game? Uh, yeah, Wills is laughing at Yu
3: Gi Oh! Kaiba! <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I, again, like main, so like, like full on Yu Gi Oh! terrifies me because that's like a pretty hardcore. Game, but the Speed Duel version that Matt has is like, okay, yeah, I understand this.
1: I'm convinced that the existence of Yu-Gi-Oh! was a real card game. It's just an elaborate joke that Matt has been playing on me <laughs> for, for like since since I've known him. <laughs> let
0: me tell you about XYZ summons. I can't I don't know how to pronounce it, but they're spelled XYZ. There's also Synchro Summons, Pendulum Solomons. That's where it starts to Yu Gi Oh starts to lose yeah. me. But I got deep <laughs> I into just... Speed Duel and um Duel Links for a while.
2: Mm, yeah. But it's, like, massive in Japan.
1: Uh, I just I don't know. It just doesn't seem very good, is the other
0: thing. <laughs>
1: well. I think
0: it's that thing of, like, I'm similar to you, meaning in that I enjoy kind of, like, the core mm. gameplay of trading card games. Where they start to lose me is if I'm then having to spend, you know, a couple of hours putting together a deck. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, some people enjoy that. For a lot of people, that is the appeal of, you know, you're crafting a particular play style and, and then you see it kind of play out. But I just don't have the time and don't, like I just basically, it feels like a hobby in and of itself at that point. And that's mm. not what I'm personally looking
1: for. And that that, that was kind of why, where Keyforge <clears throat> stepped in was mm. like, hey, decks are already built. You buy your yeah. deck, friend. Just slam you know, like them on the table. Grab yep. it, open it. You can't change it. That's the deck. Yep. But I think, um, you know, when I used to sort of, Pitch KeyForge to people to to say, "Hey, do you want to try this out?" I would say, like, it, it's really quick to learn. Like, it's it's not a complex game at all. Which you know, it's like I think by our standards, where we've we've mm. played a lot of these games before, it doesn't feel complex at all. Whereas Din is it, it completely craps all over KeyForge for user <laughs> user friendliness. Like, it, it's like, hey, here are the rules in like a couple of minutes. Yeah, because that's really all you need to know all of the complexities on the cards. And I I love it when um, games have complex systems, but you learn them just by virtue Mm. of reading the card before you play it. Um, And it it definitely felt like one of those where it was like, I didn't, you know, I never had to learn what, I think there are keywords coming up in in new decks, but like I never had to learn what like a certain bolded pieces of text meant Mm. by flipping over a rule book. It was just sort of like, you know, I got the gimmick out of the deck I was playing just by playing the cards and being like, oh, this thing is more powerful based on how much damage I've taken. Um, yeah. But the way that that works is, you know, you, you have three hearts and you shatter them and they go into your discard pile. This is more powerful based on how many shattered hearts you have in your discard pile. But these three cards here count as shattered hearts when they're in my discard pile. So suddenly I've got like seven more hmm. than more than I should do. And, and suddenly it's really powerful. So I had a, I had a turn where I played, um, I think it was the... I think it's the Leviathan, which, you know, gets uh, three extra power based on every shattered heart you have in, in your deck. And then I had a, um, I was going up against Johnny's card, which was Mordred. Um, and Mordred has a special ability where he already starts with quite a decent amount of power. But at the end of the round, he can choose to swap one of his pieces of equipment with the opponent's. So if you put down something that would win you the game, he could just be like, nah, that's mine now, thanks. And we'll just swap it out for something crap. Mm. So I had a card... And this this was like you know the the climax of the Let's Plays. So if you haven't watched it yet, you know, spoiler warning. for <laughs> I had a card that was basically um, I think it's called like the Snake Flute or something like that. But it was it was essentially a plus zero card, like it did nothing for you. But then its power increased by every Shad Heart. Hmm. So for me that was like plus seven, and for Johnny it was like plus zero. So it was it was literally the silver bullet for dealing with Fortress that I just happen to have. But yeah, it just, it, it sort of throws out the window a lot of the stuff that I think can really trip people up when they learn these, those new games. Like, there's no mm. hand limits, uh, there's <clears throat> there's no, like, you know, um, systems where you have to have, like, an archive of cards that is separate from, you know, all that kind of mm. stuff where it's like, yeah, they're interesting, you can do some cool things with them, but every single time you do this, you're adding complexity to people trying to learn mm. it. Um, whereas their system was very much like, if it makes it more difficult, we just won't do it. So it was like, hand limit. Yeah, sure, that's handy. And like by the end of the game, I must have had about 15 cards. But literally their feedback from their players was just like, it makes it less fun. So mm. they were just like, all right, we won't do it then. And, yeah, and that, yeah. was, you know, that was the philosophy, it seems, throughout.
2: Mm. I really respect really, really that, because it's like, yeah. we're not going to try and force... The ideas that we think are cool on our players, just because we want to, you know, try them out. Like we're gonna just like make something that our players have told us this is fun. Like that, that's a good idea. Keep mm. keep doing that.
1: Because mm. like I look at I look at some of the ways that KeyForge balances itself, and it's like they work, but they're a little bit clunky. Like you've got uh, the chain counter, for example, in KeyForge, which is basically because. The thing with Keyforge is you can play whatever card you want, whenever you want, and it costs the exact same as playing any other card. You just play it as long as you mm. have it. Yeah. Um, so the way that they counter the cards being too powerful is they have a thing called chain, which is basically if you play something that's mega powerful, it ups your chain, which is like a variable that you have, uh, which will tick down every turn. But the higher the chain you have, the less cards that you draw at the end of each turn. And it's like that works, but also it's super clunky because you have to have like a separate little counter, uh, and then you have to like it's another step in in your logic of like what I'm doing per turn and all that kind of stuff. With Din, instead of having a hand limit, it just goes, You can draw as many cards as you want. However, if your deck runs out. You just keep taking damage every time you can't draw a card. So it's like, sure, you can yeah. draw as many cards as you want, and then you've got all the options in the world. But if you keep doing that, eventually you will kill yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and Half that stone is does just that like, as well. yeah, fluid, easy. Because like, mm. that's just a rule that they teach you anywhere to, to end the game. If you're in a stalemate, whoever dies first because they can't draw enough cards anymore, or they can't draw a hero, or whatever it was.
2: Mm. And it provides. Really good. Really liked it. It provides like a risk reward uh, of
1: exactly you can
2: draw more cards in the hope of getting something that you think going to work for the situation, but it brings you closer to taking damage. Yeah, mm. I like Ooh. that.
1: Yeah, sounds cool. good, fun, and it looks. I'll give you a game great. if you want me, in. I think you'd I think you'd like it because uh, <laughs> what's so our... beat
2: me at another card game? Like you always <laughs> no, beat me. Based, based,
1: on our, based on our keyboard flavors, I think you'd enjoy it.
2: Yeah, no, I I enjoyed being trashed. <laughs> so yeah i'll take i'll take some more
1: all right
0: cool uh words well, you've also got down here set a watch swords of the coin tell us about it quickly yeah
1: i'll do that one a little bit more quickly because <laughs> I, I had a lot to say about it then but um we also did a let's play which should be on the channel already by the time you watch this um which was uh set a watch um the new standalone expansion mm. uh swords of the coin uh if you've not heard of it already it's I think it's one of the funniest Let's Plays we've ever put on the channel, on the Set Watch Let's Play, because me and Johnny basically played this co op game. Uh, and all of the worst things that could happen happened to us at the same time, and it's just like we just got absolutely trounced, and mm. we were just losing our minds by the end, and you know we could actually be in a room physically together so that was fun, uh, but it was <laughs> but it was like a, a really good fun let's play um, where, you know, we obviously got annihilated by the end of it um, but we were just completely enamored of it by the end, and you know, Johnny did a review and had some, some pretty good praise for it and we played it quite a lot and recently, Johnny was like, oh, I've been craving set a watch, so I bought a copy because it's, I can't get to the office to find the the one that we have and stuff like that. Um, so when I found uh, the Source of the Coin expansion on Kickstarter, uh, had actually put out a workshop mod for Tables of him I was like, oh, let's do it. Let's go, 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 um, because we were looking for something to play for anyway and uh sort of the coin is cool adds a lot of fun new things a lot of cool new characters a lot of the same stuff that you'd expect but with different effects and, and different abilities um i don't know if it's just us but it's it's harder as well <laughs> <laughs> oh god because...
2: as if that game could, could get any harder at times
1: <laughs> because the the last let's play we did was a two-parter and i think it was two sort of like just under an hour playthroughs we we smashed this one out in about thirty minutes because we died so quick. <laughs> we did we did fluff a couple of rules which made it harder for us, but we died in the second location. Like it was an absolute whitewash. Hmm. Um, but does we were just, kind of playing it. Sorry, man.
2: Does it just add new enemy types or is yeah? It...
1: It's content. Uh, there, yeah. There's there's a new um, merchant, so you can buy items that hmm. will equip to your character and stuff. So that's kind of like the core gimmick. But it's it's a whole new suite of heroes, whole new suite of monsters. Oh wow. New That's huge.
2: That's basically yeah. a new game.
1: Well yeah, so it's standalone. So you can play oh, yeah. it, you can you can buy it on its own and just play it like that, or you can mix and match. There's like deck building rules now to build your deck of monsters. Um and it will give you sort of uh rules for making sure that you've got enough creatures for each of the heroes to actually be able to do their abilities. But if you're mm. not if you know you're not using a certain hero, you can just you know, just we... leave out some of the creatures and stuff.
2: The game I played of Set of Watch a few weeks ago with my friend, we actually did find that we took the cleric with us and it was a total, like, t- a really bad move because we didn't encounter any undead, like, whatsoever. Mm. And it just felt like we had a useless party member because literally all the cleric's abilities are to deal with About dealing undead. And the dead. So I don't know whether that's in the original game.
1: Yeah, so we had... Like we, we briefly mentioned the fact that like, the cleric is kind of like a glass cannon because he might be the most powerful member mm. in a fight or he can just sit there doing absolutely nothing um, and it felt like the characters that they'd added in the new section were very specific
3: mm. but not in
1: a way that it relied on certain things being drawn mm. it was more that they interacted with the game in a very specific way so a couple of examples we had were the bounty hunter, so the bounty hunter if they contributed to a kill with direct damage, they could opt to take that card as a trophy and then they could either sell it for coin, which they can buy new items for, or they can use it to power their abilities. Mm. So like if you suddenly, if you kill a dragon, it's not just, oh thank god we got rid of the dragon but also it's like a really high value um, thing that you've got yourself and you can get a, a fair price or a decent ability out of it. Um, we had as well uh, one of my, my um, like favourite moments is when we realised there's a barbarian character, and the way that the set of watch works is you have like a type of die based on how much damage you can do. So if you're if you're a bit rubbish, you might just have a D4 or a D6. If you're really powerful, you can go up to like d 8s D10s. And the barbarian is the only character in the game that can have a D12, which means they can do ridiculous amounts of damage, and they have an ability that can allow them to go all the way up to twelve on their dice and stuff like that. The thing is though, the barbarian's abilities can only be triggered by exhausting them rather than spending a die on them. So they have to, they are literally like uh, uh, exploding themselves every time that they do something powerful, where it's just like you're constantly having to wrap bandages around them because it's like, please stop, stop getting yourself hurt. Um, but it's its really, really good. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool new content. Um, and it, it's one of those things where it's like, if you love Set a Watch, you'll love this because it's, it's more of the same, but we've added, added new fun things and mm. they've been quite creative with the new characters
0: oh cool. good all right uh shall we move on to news yeah uh we're gonna start with a relatively heavy one um great <laughs> so oh,
1: yeah, so Let's lift the party the <laughs>
0: um the publishers of well, Tier tokken um which is board and dice and Marco Polo uh which is hans im gluck um have officially cut ties with the designer or co designer of those games um Danielle tosini um
1: because he sucks. Yeah, in short. Um so Tassini <laughs> yeah.
0: was um I think this stemmed from an interview given to an Italian magazine originally. Um mm. where um Cicini made remarks about it was basically discussing um like diversity and race in games, um also made some comments about um kind of women in games, I think referring to uh Wingman designer uh, Elizabeth Hargrave. Um, And out of the back of that, um, there were these comments made on Facebook by the designer, um, in which uh, he said many things, um, but uh, chief among them was the uh, implication that he uses a racial slur to refer to his friends. Um, There was further discussion of race. Um, And so out of the back of that, there was obvious outcry and right rightful outcry. Um, uh, Tosini then made an apology on Facebook, um, but effectively didn't go far enough. Um, And that was the feeling from these publishers as well, um, who then came out and made official statements saying that they were severing ties. They would not accept future projects. uh, Current projects in development um, would be canceled. Um, In the case of Board and Dice, uh, I believe they said they will. Uh, I'm just trying to find the details. And obviously, if you know, this is a podcast where we are kind of relatively skimming through this. If you want the full mm. story, like go to our mm. website or seek it out yourself um, in other places for all the full detail and context. Because um, there's, it's obviously a very naughty subject. There's it's a lot of right involved. It's right at
2: the bottom. It. Yeah. 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 Statement um, <clears throat> from Borden.
0: Davis. Yeah. So they they kind of summed up um, the general feeling uh, in which they said. Basically, when called upon to make a statement and a strong apology, Mr. Tosini failed to acknowledge his wrongdoing, being primarily concerned with providing context to his racist remarks. Words matter, but actions matter more. Um, so following that, uh Hans Im Gluck, which is the German publisher of Marco Polo, um, which Tosini co-designed, uh, came out and again, again condemned, you know, the racist remarks made. Um and added that it would it would continue to sell uh games like marco polo that had previously been published um because they effectively said you know it's it wouldn't be fair to publish the other designers of those games um but they will also be donating um profits from the sale of those titles towards anti-racism organizations um and it wouldn't accept future projects from justini um but made a similar statement, uh, which I'm obviously paraphrasing here. Um, but basically said, there's no reason for using certain words. Every apology to do so regardless only serves the protection of white privilege. Um, so in short, you know, these remarks were made like pretty heinous remarks um, to see apologised, apologize. But the apology just basically didn't didn't excuse what, what had been said and what had been implied. Like, um, and that's kind of the long and short of it is, you know. It's, i think we
1: see a lot of these sort of like half apologies where it's just sort of um you know here are the things that i feel like i have to say uh but also hey let up because of this and mm-hmm. a lot of the time you know there were there were kind of sort of uh a lot of red flags in the statement for me where it's like oh um you know when when you translate it sure it looks mm-hmm. bad but I, I really don't think that's the the case i think considering a lot of these statements were made publicly on Facebook, which means that, you know, he probably had no problem saying them publicly, uh, but also were, were pulled by people who speak Italian. Like, I, I don't think you can say, oh, this is a translation issue and that's why I'm, I'm looking bad right now. But at any point, you know, if someone comes to you and asks you difficult questions about the, the actions that you're having in a community... And the things that you're saying, and your first response is to is to go, "Whoa, hey, now!" Like that's you know you're you're being too aggressive, and you're you're attacking my uh, my idea here. Like it's it's always going to be uh, a bad look. Like you you can't you can't immediately try to protect yourself when you've already done damage to someone else. In, in my personal opinion, but like it's it's it sort of reeked of that for me, and I think that's why it really kind of like was very tiring to see, especially because I, I, we had. Like a similar, um, similar thing that we were talking about um, earlier in the year with like some pretty misogynistic uh, comments that had sort of spun out from old blog posts from a pretty prominent designer as well, and it's like one thing that that I took heart from from the whole situation is that like these things are now getting called out, which mm. means that there is positive change being made. Um, there was a really good statement from I, I've actually forgotten the the origin of it, but um, that I saw on Twitter from from someone who's quite prominent in the in the community i'm just saying the fact that these things are coming to light sucks when you read them but but knowing that these things are now not being stood for anymore and that these people who were kind of in charge of the industry uh, at certain points and were kind of leading the thing and making us all uncomfortable now being called out and sort of pushed out is positive like and it's you know ripping that band-aid off is always going to be good for for the rest of us as a group
2: mm, i mean it's bad enough like the thing is with the tabletop gaming community and industry is the fact that obviously it's got plenty of really lovely people in there. Uh, however, a lot of the people at the top, you know, the really big designers um, are people, you know, that a lot of them are like white cis men who, you know, in the case of, of this particular designer have potentially been allowed to kind of get away with having these kind of views and saying these kind of things um it's it's disappointing that it's there um but there is a hope that with uh you know more diverse creators and a more diverse audience means that these kind of people will yeah will be as will said pushed out in favor of people who aren't awful um like that and the thing is with the tabletop gaming industry and community is that it it's it needs to open really quite badly like it's getting better but there still needs to be more attempts to be made to you know encourage you know, people of color, people who aren't just straight. You know, like people who aren't just cis into creating things and getting more involved, because then stuff like this will be called out even more, and it become mm. less and less acceptable, not that it ever was acceptable. Um, and you know, it'd be a better place for for everyone. Uh, so it, yeah, this stuff is disappointing, but it, like Will said, it's good that it's being called out, and that more importantly, that publishers are responding to it and mm. actually doing something about it um that's a good sign because they hold a lot of power so what they're saying what they're doing sends a pretty strong message that this stuff isn't okay um so yeah
0: yeah and i let's like I say um it's worth seeking out both of those statements uh in full because they are like they're strong statements they're pretty clear-cut uh unlike the apology in that they are mm. just you know, this is, these are the facts. This is what we're doing about it. Yeah. Um, there's no kind of like, um like dilly dying around or anything like that. It's no kind of like wishy-washy language. Um mm-hmm. So yeah, I would, I'd seek those out, seek out the full context. Um But yeah, it's like you say, it's, it's <laughs> the silver lining to all of this is it's, it's coming to the fore. Action is being taken to ensure mm-hmm. that it's, it's kind of stamped out going forward. Um but the fact that it happened in the first place and you know, it's it's pretty shocking to read those comments. Um, and then the suggestion of oh well it means something different in Italian and then oh, uh, many, out. many Italian commenters going like, no, a- no, absolutely not. That is not how you you know don't, that's don't not how you excuse your... this. It's it literally inexcusable.
2: Don't use your language to hide the fact that you're a racist jerk. Like that is just the worst thing and
3: <laughs>
0: so yes but like i say, i would seek out those um statements in full um from both of those publishers uh, seek out the context of the full story um wherever you may find it um yeah uh all right well let's move on to uh, something a little easier um to discuss it's the dungeons and dragons tv series um okay. <laughs> don't take wait, don't take wait, the easy bait that's there um at the so the latest update there's no way to to transition out that easy um the latest update with the D tv series you may remember last year we discussed um there is a live action D series in the works mm. um, over at hasbury it was kind of it was first announced in an investicle it was kind of off an offhand comment about oh we're working on multiple approaches to adapting D for the small screen uh, including a live action series uh, and now the Hollywood Reporter has indeed reported uh, that the writer and kind of creator of the John Wick franchise, so the original script writer um, of the first John Wick film and script writer for the, the two sequels, um, is is currently writing and developing a pitch for the D&D live-action series. Um, so this is uh, Derek Colestad. Um Like I say, wrote the original script, I think, under a different name of Scorn. Um, before i believe keanu reeves who started those films suggested that they should just call it john wick um i might be misremembering there but i think that came from uh, came from keanu reeves but uh Colstead penned the original script um mm. so basically you know came up with that universe in a lot of ways um but yes is is currently working on uh, this live action series there's no information about what it will be how it will tie into the universe whether it will star Keanu Reeves punching people in the mouth and looking for his dog. Oh,
2: please. Please let it be that. (laughs) Please let it be Keanu Reeves punching a wizard.
0: Absolutely caking them. Um, Yeah,
2: they they killed his... I don't know. What's the D&D equivalent of a puppy? A a baby bugbear. Yeah.
1: I regret to inform you, me, and that there are dogs in the Dungeons and Dragons universe. <laughs> yeah, but that's not
2: as fun as like a baby, <laughs> a baby shrub or something. Like it's
1: a... Dungeons and Dragons, me, and it's not supposed to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, ugh, excuse me. So it's worth saying
0: here: it's not one hundred percent clear if this is the same series that was mentioned last year. Um, so the CEO of Hasbro, which owns Wizards of the Coast, which owns. Dungeons and Dragons uh, said at the time like say multiple options were being explored. So that suggests that this mm. isn't the only uh series Mate. in development but this is um, the only one we've had a sniff of detail about so far.
2: Totally unsurprised me if there are like 10 different D&D shows in development right now so they can milk that sweet tea. Well,
0: I think in in some ways right it's that makes much more sense than the upcoming movie um which we've had little bits of detail about um mm. Because D&D, you know, it it's, at some point you're just putting an actual play on Netflix mm. or something like that. Mm. You know, it's you dress it up enough, but it's effectively something that you'd see in a session of D&D. You know, one, two hour session. Like D&D works in an episodic format. Mm. So I think that's easier to imagine. Of like, Okay, maybe you do it in the same way that Fargo does, where it's an anthology and it's based on Curse of Strahd for the first series. And then it's based on
1: Whatever the...
2: Fart machine <laughs> <barbershop>. rides again.
1: <laughs> That's how our long, TV show. <laughs> how long does it take to redecorate a flat? With a drill. <laughs> With a drill. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the... As your only tool.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: the thing is, John Wick, the John Wick films are kind of a little bit you know, episodic anyway. Mm. You know, as John Wick kind of moves from this target to this target whatever yeah they're literally Um, called
0: chapter chapter two and chapter three yeah yeah yeah.
2: but even within the films themselves they're kind of episodic in the sense that it's it's John Wick is more like these are set pieces that are sort of strung together with this this narrative but really we know you're here for the for the the set pieces that we've devised and I feel like that could potentially work for a dnd series um you know uh, the one you know obviously like for me a big criticism of john wick is the fact that some of the characters are great but for the most part that's not really what you watch it for and for me the dnd actual plays that i really like are the ones where the characters are really like engaging you can really get invested in their individual storyline and things like that Mm. but you know john wick is its own thing that's not to say that you know the this screen you know screenplay writer can't was he the script writer or the 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 director or sorry Uh,
0: writer original writer
1: yeah script writer original
2: writer yeah. yeah that's not to say that you know this writer can't write characters at all
1: I regret to inform you, Mian, that after looking at uh, Derek Kolstad's IMDb page,
2: mm-hmm.
1: although a lot of these say unannounced in brackets of when they're coming out, so they might just be rumors, uh, seems like he is writing for the Hitman TV series, <laughs> mm-hmm. the Just Cause screenplay. Uh, <laughs> oh,
2: wow, huh?
1: And I think uh, one of
0: the Marvel TV series. Is it
1: Winter yeah, the Falcon Soldier? and the that's Winter that's Soldier it, yeah. miniseries? Uh, a TV series called How many Die jumps? Heart. How jobs has this person got like well I, I imagine it doesn't take a lot of writing to make these kind of things Scene <laughs> <laughs> well... where people shoot each other a lot uh, just procedurally see where people shoot each other a lot you know <laughs> yeah
2: i mean that's what i'm the main thing i'm worried about with this is because we've already had the era of embarrassingness this <laughs> from D. that's over now like i don't think we're gonna get that again what I'm worried is...
1: You don't think there's going to be more embarrassing stories about d and uh,
2: I don't think there'll be an embarrassing... Like, an embarrassment like the, the D&D film. Uh, because, you know, that had heart behind it, despite being a mess. I worry that this television series is going to be very shallow and it's going to be mm. all like set pieces and, and CGI and not like, oh... You know what? The reason why people actually like playing role playing games is because they can, you know, make these characters who they want to get invested in and not so they can shoot a fireball at a, a, at a gnome or something, I don't know.
1: But a <laughs> you know. as a
0: as a slight counterpart, I think you're right that like the, the characters in John Wick are just like they're basically mannequins, right, that are being yeah. posed into shooty shooty car drivey punchy Scenes, yeah. except for Willem Dafoe, yeah. yeah. of
2: course, because Willem Dafoe puts, you know,
3: his soul oh, yeah. in he's, every character. Yeah, he's
0: going like. for it, you know. Yeah, he's he's two rewrites <laughs> away from throwing a pumpkin at people and turning them into skeletons. Um, <laughs> but I think the thing that they did manage to do well in the John Wick, um, series is they built up the law around John Wick quite well. Um, mm. the kind of assassination hotel, you know, co- like people giving each other coins and going excommunicado. So there is they hinted at that wider world in a way that I think was surprising given what those films are, which is yeah. shooty-punchy car drive Yeah.
1: Um, oh, shooty-punchy
0: car-driving. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, that genre. Two, two is where it really kind of goes in a completely different direction and you're like, what? And then three it's just off the rails. But mm. um, who is the actor who just hangs around in the hotel?
0: Oh, isn't it the, Lance Reddick?
2: No, the older, the older man.
0: Uh, I can't remember,
2: yeah, this is not fun listening. No one wants yeah. to hear people trying to remember I the name of it, it'll <laughs> come to me again, like I think I think he owns the hotel, but um, but uh, yeah, now that I can't remember his name, it's not gonna be amusing what I'm gonna say next
1: so i I think I watched half of John Wick because it was on a TV when we arrived at an event, and then <laughs> I've stopped watching, although I feel like I've watched all of John Wick. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I
0: like him. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm not saying
1: that. I'll bat, go, like I'll go to just bat like, for John know. Wick. Yeah.
0: In that first film, he hits someone with a car and then shoots them while they're rolling over the car. And that was kind of cool. If they could just do that with, I don't know, a sword. That would be, I guess a car <laughs> no, or so. something. They just with...
1: have a car. A ye I, I guess a lot of people see themselves as John Wick when they play D&D. Hmm. Although, yeah, I, I, I was keen to say, like, oh, you know, he's a screenwriter. Just because he wrote John Wick doesn't mean that that's, that's his only wheelhouse, you know. But, like, mm. from, from <laughs> the things he's working on, it does seem like he is the car-driving, shooty, punchy man as, uh, as well. Yeah, I mean, hmm. I
2: get I get I, Hitman. I get Just Call. I get yeah, all of makes that. makes perfect sense. Yeah, it makes yeah. perfect sense. But d and D, I don't know. Like, I I was kind of hoping that they would hire... I guess he's kind of an unknown, but I was kind of hoping they would just hire some someone who you know needs a leg up in in the industry,
1: um,
2: or like someone really left field to kind of give it a go. Mm. Uh, Sam um... Raimi,
1: <laughs> get Sam Raimi involved. To oh, make Sam Raimi would yeah. be so good. That is how you make.
2: Uh, and you know, he would use practical effects, and I'm so on board for that. Mm. 'cause I love you so much. I'd take a effects. Sam Raimi
0: Dungeons and Dragons film.
2: Yeah. Like really violent.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Unbelievably so. <laughs> like um, gory.
2: Um the actor I was thinking of is Ian McShane.
0: Uh yeah. yeah.
2: I would love him to be in the D and D series and he, all he does is just sit in a location. And just let's be real, drink. he
0: probably will be. He's in pretty much everything at this point, isn't he? Just
2: He did a lot of things. He was in yeah. Death Race, which
0: Yeah, he was in American you know. gods. He's been in... he just turns up and he gravels at people and then Matt, he was that.
2: in death race. Okay. Do I need
0: to <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we'll continue uh, to <laughs> comment and criticise every single decision that they make surrounding the Dungeons and Dragons. Because
2: we can. Shows. That's what we're here um, for.
0: But that—that's all we know for the moment. uh So let's move on to these next two stories, which I'm going to bundle together as a quick one because um, they happen to pop up kind of around the same day. um So I think we've chatted before about the fact that people are paying a lot of money for Pokemon cards. There's kind of a mm. bubble. Yeah. Um, at the moment, thanks to uh, folks like I think Logic, the rapper, um, bought that Charizard uh, for a lot of money. Uh, a lot of money. Um, but now it appears that a Blastoise uh, has sold for even more money. Alex, me you wrote this story. Tell us about
1: this Blastoise card.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm in the chopper. I'm looking at this Blastoise. <laughs>
1: it's in slash on chopper. <laughs>
2: <laughs> About this person's house, who has bought this Ooh, this Blastoise. Sorry,
1: I just, my phone just fell out of my pocket. Well, uh,
2: Matt's uh, wheels <laughs> is so taken aback by by the the amount of money this person paid for this Blastoise. Um, okay, so yeah, um, someone bought a Blastoise card for three hundred and sixty thousand dollars, which is the most anyone's ever. Paid at an auction for a Pokemon card, so that beats the the Charizard from last year. Um, Yeah, this is a very particular card, so it's a bit odd. So there's actually a whole history behind this card because it's one of a kind of a set of four um, where they so Wizards of the Coast used to make Pokemon, the Pokemon trading card game. And so I imagine they're pitched to Nintendo to say, hey, this could work internationally. Uh, They made these four Blastoise cards um, and three of them have Magic the Gathering backs because they must have just used, you know, whatever they had to hand to kind of create these prototypes. Uh, But this one very particularly has a, a blank back and it's got a different background to it um so obviously it's unique in that set of four and like some of some of these other cards have been found by the magic the gathering community but this one in particular is one of two the other one is missing no one knows where it is because it was used for international purposes so as far as people know this is the only one that that you know is is out there um uh, and so this this person whoever's bought it, you know, the, I guess it is a kind of very unique item. I imagine maybe in in several years time it will probably be worth even more, depending on how mm. popular Pokemon is. Or the bubble um, will
0: burst and they'll all be worth fifty p again.
2: Yeah, or it'll be <laughs> worth fifty p. Yeah. Um, yeah, the artwork is done by like the original, like designer for Pokemon like um, Kinsugimori Ken um, so hey uh, on the same day a booster box of first edition Pokemon cards was sold for $408,000 uh, mm-hmm. so that's, e- that's even more than the, the one that was sold last year on through the same website uh, and I think it's about the same kind of set it looks like, the, the first editions booster packs. It could contain a Charizard. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, if you want to bid for this card, you can still sort of bid. Uh, the The owner is taking offers, but they have to be at least $468,000. So
0: if,
2: <laughs> if you've got $468,000 lying around...
0: Well, me and let me tell you, I've got an even better bargain for you.
2: Whoa!
3: Uh, because around,
0: bit. around the same time, or current, currently live, in fact, on eBay is a Magic the Gathering card, um, which is similarly unique uh, and is similarly, or appears to be the most expensive Magic the Gathering card uh, that's ever gone up at auction. So it's currently sitting at three hundred and ten thousand um, dollars on eBay. It's had one hundred and thirteen bids. Um But it is the Black Lotus, um, which some folks may know uh, because it's relatively iconic in that it has, for a long time been Magic the Gathering's kind of most valuable card. Um, They typically go for about 200 grand. So it's not, you know, it's not like you're ever going to pick up one of these for a fiver down the local car boot. Um, But this one is unique in that it's signed by the designer and illustrator. Um, So the... I say it's signed. The case that it's contained in is signed because the card itself is rated at a perfect ten gem mint condition. Mm. So it's about it's as kind of pristine as they come. House. Yeah, um, it was
2: created by blowing on it.
0: So yeah, <laughs> like I say, it's um it's currently up uh, on eBay of all places. Um, it's signed by Christopher Rush, who designed and illustrated it originally, um, and. For for a while, the bids while I was looking at it, they shot up over a million dollars, but Whoa! then they were cancelled. Uh, so I suspect some folks were just kind of putting in joke bids. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it looks like it's going to become Magic the Gathering's most kind of valuable card ever sold, uh, beating out previous uh,
1: Black Lotus cards. So auctions in general <laughs> have gone a bit downhill. <laughs> 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 that the thing it is used to be like
2: i i'm not convinced these are things that people actually want i think they literally just get them because they're like oh this will be worth even more it's a, yeah, yeah it's a collector's like, marker right? it's, it's, that's the, it is. it's, it's, it's not... the same as buying
1: gold bullion or whatever isn't it mm. but it, but it's just like you know it used to be that you'd turn up at an auction because you know you're an old money whatever you know, You've you've got dollar bills accidentally falling out of your trousers every time you move and and you turn up it's like, oh, today we have the ancient uh, uh, Faberge egg that was handcrafted <laughs> by Jesus Christ himself, uh, and uh, we're we're opening the bid at two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Yeah, and now it's like, come on eBay. I've got I've got a picture of Blastoise that was printed well, on a piece of card. Didn't even have a back on it. Okay.
0: Well, I'll have you know, that the auction oh, house no. uh, PC uh, PWCC, uh, which is selling the Black Lotus, describes the Black Lotus as "quote the Holy Grail of magic cards." Yeah. So, so perhaps, basically, like Jesus. <laughs> yeah, Jesus may have played with this card, you know, yeah. himself yeah. if he was yeah, playing Jesus after nineteen ninety three when it first came out.
2: He may have used it in his deck. <laughs> Oh my god. The thing is, they don't even have the person to go, oh, I don't want to, oh, you, what I want to do. Exactly. Yeah, where's <laughs> that person? Where's the fun?
1: Now you got to go to a cow auction if you want
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd love a cow. Um, uh,
0: the, if you're, the, if... thing
2: is, the thing is, the art for this card is also really kind of, no offense to the artists, it's kind of rubbish. Is this In the terms Black of like it's boring? Like it's just, I've seen some magic cards and there's some pretty wild stuff but uh, a black lotus uh, is nothing to really, you know, get particularly excited about. Also, I'm I'm very sad because my brother used to collect Pokemon cards and I'm aware that there is some in my parents' loft. Uh, the loft is basically like, you know, the old woman in the labyrinth was loads of rubbish everywhere. <laughs> that is what my, my parents' loft is like. It's like a hoarder's nightmare. Mm. No, both, to be honest, a hoarder's dream. Uh, and I know they're in some dilapidated old cardboard box rotting away, probably with some wasps on them or something. Uh, and I'm like, I could have paid for my
0: university. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, for for folks who are suddenly like, "Well, I've got Pokemon cards. They can be worth late. Uh It's worth saying Matt's that like, to often crush these your are often these are very specific versions. So the Charizard that was sold is a what's known as a shadowless Charizard. So it's like a printing error. Uh, which wow. makes it extremely rare.
3: Um,
0: <laughs> but, you know, that's not to say that cards can't be worth, you know, tens to hundreds to even thousands of, of pounds or dollars. Um, these are obviously, you know, the extreme end of that. Um, if if you're looking for something a little cheaper, there's just a normal Black Lotus uh, rated at nine mint condition for 250 grand. Oh, oh yeah. Good,
1: yeah. I, it's, it's weird how, like, just the sole facts that... It is a thing that doesn't exist in quantity, makes it valuable. Yeah. Like, even though, as you say, a lot of them are just print errors. <laughs> it's like, oh, uh oh, bugger this one up, haven't I? Shove that in the bin. Mm. No, no, no. It'll be worth oh, yeah. half a million pounds in in uh, forty hundred years or whatever. So just just keep it around.
2: Yeah, maybe I can start a lucrative business of of like faking errors on Pokemon cards in hopes of selling them for enormous wads. Dicebreaker does not. not,
1: I'm sure I've got like a copy of my uni dissertation, which like I I was missing red ink or something at the time that I printed it. If you want that (laughs) for a quarter of a mil, then hit me up. Uh,
0: Dicebreaker does not endorse creating counterfeit Pokemon cards to sell online.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'd be
2: like Melissa McCarthy in that film. Uh... I can't remember what it's called now. That will you ever forgive me or something uh, like that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very. She's good a help.
0: novelist, right? It's kind of.
2: Yeah, yeah, But she yes. counterfeits like uh, letters from authors, mm. um, and sells those for massive wads. But yeah. I'll just do that with Pokemon cards, and then they'll make a film about me because that was based on a true story. And then I'll be in a
0: film. Yeah, that's how. Wait, that's not how it works. That's that's a documentary, not. A f... <laughs> I mean, You'd have to it... turn. <laughs> I'm going to turn myself in and hope that I can play myself in the film about me that they'll then yeah. make.
2: Yeah, yeah, And then Richard E. Grant will be in it,
0: but not playing you. I mean, they could get Richard E. Grant to play you. To be fair, let's. I would love that. Could imagine yes. that. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's. Uh, we're we're swiftly running out of time. Um, so let's move on to uh, this little uh, RPG that's popped up. Alex Mean, tell us about Lighthearted.
2: Ah, oh, I will. Uh, <laughs> Good <laughs> Yeah, Lighthearted is an RPG that's getting a Kickstarter campaign uh, later this month uh, If you like The Breakfast Club, I've never seen it uh,
0: it's, right. it's, it's aged poorly just, Yeah, yeah I've heard that content. Um,
2: Then, and other 1980s coming of age films, you'll probably like Lighthearted because it kind of combines a lot of tropes you see in those films, with fantasy tropes, kind of make this world of, you know, we're trying to find our own way, where we're we're, you know, um, we're jocks or we're nerds, but we want to try and break free from those, you know, tropes and become our own people, which you know, kind of like the idea of that. Um, the way that uh, the the, G- the GM who is described as the director uh, describes the scene as they talk about it like a like it's a cinema kind of experience so they describe the lighting and, and you know the, the camera angles and there's even a s- official soundtrack you can play uh, while you know playing the game and um, it's a mixture the system is a mixture of savage worlds and um, powered by the apocalypse. Um, so you've got an emotional die which, like the wild die you see in Savage Worlds uh, and like your skill die and those combined kind of create your results and you don't really ha- you can have like semi-successes where you take like a a negative attribute with the success uh, and the yeah there's not a specific date for the kickstarter you can play an early access version for free on each Itch.io right now. <laughs>
3: is yeah, this so... is
1: pots, right? This is Kurt and Kate. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kurt was the uh, the one who organised the, it's a while ago now, but the, the bundles of, of RPGs mm. um, uh, before the, it was just before the big NAACP one went out, I think. Mm. Uh, but that's where we discovered sort of like the machine and, and uh, I believe Kurt also wrote Sigils of the Dark. Yes. That? yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so... Good pedigree Woo-hoo. i reckon and yeah. um, some of the art is uh is giving me uh some, some quite funny vibes because there's a lady holding up some fingers and then that's like oh look how powerful these are but it's you know if you just yeah uh but it's yeah it's good Whoa! And I, <laughs> mr jarvis
2: please take control of this this, this runaway train
0: I think it looks cool and it sounds cool. Uh, yeah I'm kind of into it like we, we're obviously seeing a lot of 80s inspired stuff uh, mm. at the moment mm-hmm. thanks to things like Stranger Things and all of that kind of nostalgic wave um, but this seems to be going about it in kind of like a fun way where I don't know like it's it obviously draws from those films but the fact that you've got a straight up director it's not trying to pretend that it's anything that it's not. It sounds like you know it's really playing into those tropes rather than
1: just... This is It's become quite a a more common thing actually, the whole sort of like um, treating the GM like they are sort of directing mm. a scene. Like I, I remember when we were playing uh, Aegon with John Harper he would say, you know, imagine the camera is panning up and stuff like that. I think it's becoming sort of a uh, a useful tool for people to have when they're trying to um, work out what it is to be a, a GM sort of thing. Yeah. Where it's just like, well imagine you are directing a film, like what uh, what would you be showing the audience right now? Because that's what you're showing your players.
0: Yeah. I think it makes it more accessible for a lot of people right? because a lot of people GM exactly. like that Anyway, you know there are different ways it's just to do it without
1: realizing, but, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a much
0: more accessible way of saying, "Hey, you're the director of this film with your friends," rather than saying, "You're a game master." And if you've yeah. never played an RPG before, that can be quite daunting. So, mm. uh, all right, let's quickly move on to this last one. Uh, the chase wrote up, uh, and we'll <laughs> send to me at some point. Bean dice.
1: Beans. Um, <laughs> you're very welcome.
0: There are bean dice. That is dice with baked beans inside. Uh, they are real baked beans. Um, they are dried, it's worth saying, so it's not like yeah, they're, they bob- they're bobbing off. around in
2: yeah, there. Yeah, I must admit, the thought of it makes me feel a little bit ill, like the, the thought of the beans bobbing around in there, so I'm glad they're dry, although I'm not hugely think, keen on them
1: as it well, is. I think I'd, I'd like them even more if they were no, so you rolled. Nice! Like...
2: sir! Yeah.
1: Um, I wonder
2: if they taste like beans if you lick them.
0: <laughs> probably not
1: i imagine they taste like epoxies you to yeah it. <laughs> uh,
0: so this is from the dice buffet uh, you can find on twitter at dice buffet um which is a kind of like a, a, a relatively small kind of bespoke dice m- maker um mm. but they put out these bean dice uh, and suddenly they blew <laughs> up and everyone was talking about the bean dice um helped by the fact that there are several pictures of the bean dice in beans which I don't mind the bean dice as they are, but seeing them in beans, something right. something turns it's, inside of me, and it's like Whoa.
2: yeah, so, I'm not keen cause like
1: there's there's a Facebook page called things uh, filled with beans that should not be filled with beans or something along those lines, uh, and it's it's really good content. <laughs> uh,
2: if There's not a sock filled with beans. I'm I'm leaving.
1: Well, there's right all now. sorts of things, me and I'll send it to you. I'm sure you'll get a kick out <coughs> of it. Um, there's I, a lot. There's a lot of things you can put beans inside of.
2: I'm both curious and disgusted at the same time.
1: Mm. It's absolutely cursed. Yeah. Mm. Um, but one of my favorite ones is uh, they have these eyeball dice, um, uh, which you know have eyeballs inside. But they the eyeballs will float up to. The surface, really cool. yeah uh, it's spooky dice
2: it just feels like these sort of things are from what i call the age of gunge which is like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> know
3: the exactly late 90s you early
2: nineties, where yeah. everyone where, where every well kids basically were obsessed with gunge slime or some form of of that it's
1: it's where like every other advert for a toy on nickelodeon would have the sound effect of kids going ew yeah there'll yeah. be <laughs> like the
2: toilet that had the brown gu- gunge in it like and and that yeah like the, the big Thought thing party. was yeah yeah the big thing was isn't it so disgusting but it's kind of cool
1: yeah i mean you know some people say that age is coming back with the, the invention of the fart machine uh exclusively <laughs> directly <laughs> below my flat um <laughs>
0: so yeah it's uh worth on these it's not not the first um dice that lilith um who runs the dice buffet has made they've also made um they've made various kind of uh, to be careful with the wording here, they're dice with edible things inside, but they are not edible dice. Not so edible do not eat ones, these yeah. dice, please. Um, but they've made uh, dice with spaghettios or spaghetti hoops for us here in the UK. Mm-hmm. Candy corn. I don't know if that has a UK equivalent. It's candy corn um, and yeah. M Ms. Wow. Um, so yeah, but beans beans seems to be stuff, the one that's really struck a chord with people. Yeah. For, for whatever <laughs> horrible great reason.
1: Value. And it was a really good product photo shoot as well. <laughs> yeah, um, it's very strong of them. Sitting there's also, <coughs> I don't know if you picked up on this, but they've actually made a a bean dice coffin. <laughs> I <saw> this, yeah. <laughs> it's a coffin that you put your dice in that's made, made of, beans, of beans, so yeah. it's just fantastic, yeah.
2: really. Um, I think they should do pickles next. Bury gherkin me in the bean coffin,
1: please. Smirking gherkin dice, smoking yeah. Gherkin you yeah, gherkin I mean, um, should
2: contact them about that.
1: I've got, I've got like a, a one extra news story that I mean it's not really tabletop related, but I thought I'd just slip in. Uh, did you hear the of um, <laughs> Paltrow's vagina candle exploded?
0: Yes, I did read this, Will's. <laughs> I didn't put it in the news section, funnily enough. <laughs>
1: Gwyneth anyway. Paltrow probably played a board game, Oh, God. Oh oh, that's
0: unfortunate. God. That's all the time we've got for news this week. Anyway, <laughs> shall we move on to emails? This a
2: very messy episode, I have to say. <laughs> that's what you say. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's what you say if Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina candle explodes as well. Exactly
1: that. Exactly
2: that. <laughs> we cannot name this episode Gwyneth Paltrow's, Gwyneth
1: Paltrow's vagina, vagina, vagina candle. candle. Of course we can. Why do you think that, I brought it up? Honestly, so do you not think that
0: sounds up? like a math rock band?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah it really does it really does
0: hello we're gwyneth pouches vagina candle and we're here to rock
1: it sounds like uh it sounds like a play on danny dyer's chocolate <laughs> from Beep Show. Uh,
0: grant, almost oh. un- you know almost undoubtedly grant howard is working on a a one-page oh, yeah. rpg at the moment yeah absolutely yeah, yeah it's it's
2: word, <clears> be careful handling yeah. your vagina candle <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh all right, uh let's move on to emails. Uh, <laughs> email because we have actually overshot a little bit. Uh if you've got an email for the Dicebreaker Podcast, you can reach us at podcast at dicebreaker.com. You can find us on Twitter at join dicebreaker. You can find us on dicebreaker.com or on youtube.com slash dicebreaker. Come say hello. Uh I'm going to skip straight to this one from Pym. Wills, would you like to read the one from Pim?
1: Yes, uh, Pim Steenberg says I recently pitched a and d slash Magic the Gathering X Monopoly crossover in the Ravnica setting. What do you think would make a good uh, Monopoly addition? Beans! I, that that question really confused me. So, a Monopoly cross crossover in Ravnica. Mm. Yeah. Right. Because it's
0: Guild. Which is the okay. Magic the Gathering plane, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. Um... I, I honestly, I think this is kind of a moot question because they've done them all, right? They've done every Monopoly crossover yeah, that's yeah. physically they, possible. Have they've they all, done? They've all been done.
2: Wheels? Have they done Beans, Though that's what I. I
1: reckon that. I reckon they've probably done Beans. Have you? Have you guys seen that advert where it's like it's like fifteen minutes long? I you know it's one of those adverts that thinks it's a short film, and it's like you know, um, uh, it's it's International Women's Day coming up. We want to look at some of the incredible. Uh, things that women have done, and you're going through this advert, and you're like, "What? What are they selling? What are they selling?" Mm. And and at the end, like they get these sort of like prominent young female designers and stuff who are like you know engineers and, and scientists and, and musicians, and they give them a copy of Ms. Monopoly. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just <laughs> the oh, thing. I've ever seen like you a million a million pounds. Had I not brought it up in a monopoly context, you would not have been able to tell me what that advert was yeah. for. Yeah, like,
0: and also oh monopoly, a game where they literally erased the female creator of it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. like and it the was. Original yeah, it was basically stolen was trying, from. Um, exactly that. Yeah. yeah,
1: incredible stuff. So, um, but yeah, beans is our answer. <laughs> beans. So uh, <laughs> yeah. this actually turns. So
0: Chase wrote a story the other day on Dicebreaker, which I didn't put into news because it was kind of like a. It was a busy newsweek. week, uh, but they there is a book currently on Kickstarter called A Fine Mend, uh, which has like variants of classic games, and among them uh, is a variant of Monopoly. Um, so it's co- kind of completely reimagined. I think it's called Bourgeoisie Swine.
1: Oh, Ooh, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah,
0: Bourgeoisie Swine.
1: It doesn't sound like a variant. That just sounds like the base game. <laughs> uh,
0: so yeah, it's it's interesting. Like I think there's. There's a game to be made out of Monopoly that's not terrible, but you need to take everything mm. out of Monopoly first. Um Monopoly yeah. deals, all right. That card game's okay.
1: Flip flip question here. I can you flip the question on its head? Um if there was one Monopoly variant that you could delete from existence never to return again, which one would it be? Because mine would be socialist monopoly, which is mm. the biggest Boomer so, yeah, yeah. Or, You've ever had the? You mean
0: is that Monopoly for
1: millennials? Is that the one, or is that a Yeah, millennial one? Monopoly or socialism yeah, Monopoly? Yeah, communism. Oh, it's God. like, just You're horrendous. poor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that was like Literally, that was the tone no, yeah. they took of it. Of like, lol, millennials can't buy property, so instead you're renting. <laughs> yeah, so... we just
2: sat here just seething. Mm.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. Um, got...
2: I don't know. I've. I've covered so many it's
0: like i feel yeah. like the theme isn't the problem though right like you real estate can be an interesting theme for a board game the problem is the mechanics. Mm-hmm. so it doesn't really matter what theme you slap on top of it at some point it's the core that's oh. the problem
1: oh. like say men- warhammer, warhammer 40 came in well is a bit of an eyesore though, isn't it <laughs> yeah i covered up <laughs> but that you'd love to delete one. that from existence wouldn't you <laughs>
0: Uh, Monopoly Game is meant to be okay because I think they. And for, I tell you what, Fortnite Monopoly, I'm. Intrigued because apparently you can build walls and stuff in it. It actually takes some ideas from Fortnite, which is interesting at least.
1: That's the never, I, I
2: never I never thought I'd hear the words Fortnite Monopoly coming out of Mr. Jobs I
1: just, I just love that Matt was like struggling to get it out and is like the only way that I'm gonna get through this if I if I just sound as old and middle class as, as I can. <laughs> I've
0: heard of this thing. <laughs> All the kids love Fortnite Monopoly. Yeah, the,
1: the, the kids are talking non stop. I don't know, isn't uh, there?
2: garbage kale pale kids one
1: yeah i mean I you it, it's I it. name that. it there's one there's dragon yeah. ball z there's yeah, yeah this is the thing where it's like you know ravnica it's probably on the way i'm yeah. sure there's a dnd one already yes there is uh,
0: a D one on the way if we uh, yeah, reported on just, it last year oh. yeah so it never ends. yeah it at some point i think you just need a different game put monopoly put monopoly on a different game don't put a different game on monopoly
1: What's wild is that Monopoly is kind of like the Funko Pops of board games, and yet there are Funko Pop board games. Like it's somehow Monopoly is more of a Funko Pop board game than the Funko Pop board games. are. it's mm. nonsense. Where's the, the Uncle Funko Pop board games. games are not good. Mm. No, 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 none of the things that we're we're talking about right now. Very good. Where's the Uncle, including Gwyneth Paltrow's Uncle Pennybags so like, Funko Pop.
0: I feel like that's a bit of pop culture they've overlooked. What so? Where's the Uncle Pennybags or whatever the? What's the name of the Monopoly guy? Oh, is it not? I'm sure it's Uncle Um, Penny Bags or Uncle Rich Bags or something (laughs) like that. Money Bags. There probably
2: probably is one, though. I'm going to
0: find it, right. (laughs) Rich rich Uncle Penny Bags. I told you. Rich Uncle Uncle Penny Penny Bags. bags.
1: Why has he got bags full of pennies? I thought he was rich.
0: Yeah, but it was made in the 20s, wasn't it? So that's like a different.
2: Yeah, Yeah, like 10 pennies was like. (laughs) Fifty grand. His age is <laughs> presumed Mortgage a house
1: with ten pennies.
0: This is from the Wikipedia page for a rich uncle penny bags. His age is presumed to be between sixty and eighty years old, which is a sentence that makes it read like he's wanted by local law enforcement.
1: <laughs> Probably <laughs> <Taxi> <laughs> be identified Shot by large top around. hat and moustache. With a bloody penny bag that he's just bludgeoned someone with. Oh my god. Oh. Should we read the next
0: question? Yes, <laughs> let's let's move on. Uh Mian, would you like to read this one from Callum, please?
1: Oh
2: uh
0: Calabas. Oh we're gonna answer your question now to <laughs> Uh
2: Calabast Uh Real new to anD D uh so is the group I've managed to rustle together. We're going to have to do it via video chat for obvious reasons. Any tips to make it fairly seamless? Our DM has only hosted uh games in person. Hmm.
1: I would say Genuinely, D&D Beyond is great. Yeah,
2: yeah, no, yeah.
1: D&D Beyond is the best thing to come out of D&D. Like, uh, a dedicated HTML character sheet for your game is, I think going to be one of the must-haves for new complicated systems because mm. it makes everything so much easier yeah you can just click on a spell blammo <coughs> there's the there is a the result and everything like it's it's really really good there's mm. all the character creation for you just like you're playing a video game like it yeah it's fantastic
2: and, and unless you're like creating a character with a very specific subclass or like mm. uh a, a certain species then like y- it's all free like you don't yeah. even need to get the subscription, so
1: mm. yeah, and it's full of user-generated content mm. as well. So like you can you can find all of the like homebrew stuff that people have made and uploaded. Yeah. So yeah, genuinely, as as much as I rag on D and D, D and D Beyond is a really good resource. Yeah, it's really um, good. I will also say just a general tip: have if you can, video call because uh, being able to see other people is is a huge. Uh, um, help when you're when you're trying to not talk over people you can see when people are getting ready to talk you can you can not just like have that awkward silence in between every sentence where everyone's like is somebody gonna know i'll say something again. yeah
0: it's also worth it like just take it easy to begin with like if you've never played over video call before you just need to get into a slightly different rhythm of there's always going to be that half second delay there's always mm-hmm. going to be this kind of all concerns it's like that's fine but don't you know pile in expecting to be able to talk over each other like you maybe normally would and maybe we we tend to play theater of the mind anyway um both on dice breaker and personally but maybe if you're looking to go with something like roll 20 just take it easy at first don't try and use all the tools at once mm-hmm. you know just maybe even have like a another session zero or have a short session where you know you have those allowances for people getting used to where they need to go on D beyond how they roll their dice what they're looking at that kind of thing just you know, it is it is a very different kind of thing and it can be quite difficult to adjust to. So just, mm. yeah, just give people a little bit of leeway.
2: Yeah, definitely with your first session, yeah, probably just set it in like one location or something. And just like get people used to doing role play and also meeting each other's characters and kind of gauging the group dynamic. Because that means you don't need to make maps either. So mm-hmm. that saves a lot of time and people don't need to try and navigate maps
1: there are now a lot of ways to digitally do maps because mm. there's Roll Twenty, there's Tabletop Sim, there's that um, really nice-looking one that's being developed. Uh, what's the Roll? oh god? Do you- no, not not sorry, not the uh, Roll-Telling Equivalent, but the the one that is specifically for moving miniatures around and rolling. Oh
0: cameras. yeah. Oh I mean, gosh, I can't remember that. the name of that
1: it's really pretty though and it, it looks quite slick so yeah. that that's another one that sort of if you're the kind of player that likes playing with miniatures and dice uh, miniatures and maps sorry then there are a lot of aspects to to that but you will probably especially with something like roll 20 which can be quite complicated you will need to sit down and learn how to mm. use them and that that will be a big roadblock so if you if you are okay playing theater of the mind i would heartily recommend it because mm. it'll make your life a lot easier yeah
0: there's yeah and there's just an amount of kind of tying this all together, like just adjust your expectations. Like it it will still be fun. You'll still have a good time together, but it's not going to be the same experience. Um, So I think pushing too hard for that or, you know, expecting that can kind of lead to disappointment and can kind of burn you out if you feel like you're not getting exactly the same out of doing over video call as you do in the same room. It's, you know, it's it just is what it is. Like
1: There are also like certain systems that work way better over video call. Mm um than than others like you know dnd i can't have a dnd question without me recommending you play something else but like there's uh you know there are there are loads of games out there and a lot of them actually work really well online mm. um there's one that i probably shouldn't talk about because it's made by a friend but like you know we we previewed uh, on the website which is all about using a whatsapp chat and mm. like there there are games that actually um use uh the the fact that you are using a digital medium to to enhance it um, there's also isn't there one called like this? This Discord server is haunted or something like yeah. that. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that
2: was by the. No, I'm getting confused. Uh, with uh, J Dragon, they the sleepaway. No, uh, this yeah this Discord is haunted is uh, a really good game to play mm. uh, online because all you need is a Discord server. And all
1: they... you need is a Discord server. Yeah, clues in the name.
0: Yeah. Uh, I will also say that I generally don't like PDFs um for yeah. things because it's a pain in the butt to scroll through them so D beyond is helpful because it's just easily uh, mm. it's easy to navigate um but if you're expecting to play a chunky thing maybe if obviously if your players are able to invest in a copy of the physical book each if that's what they prefer mm. or you know just make reference sheets or some kind of guide because it won't be as easy to just pass a book around or flick through it if you don't all have a have a copy
1: if you also don't have a printer yes character sheets can really really suck to put um to try and fill in if they're pdf mm. like some some of them are form fillable making it a little bit easier but they're still not really that easy and then you've got to have like have a really demanding pdf program open which is kind of like a bit difficult for your pc to to struggle with yeah. um so if you can't print things off there are certain certain games and certain sites that have really good character sheets so uh Obviously, D&D Beyond we already mentioned, but um, Blaze in the Dark has a really good Roll20 character sheet. Like I think most of the Evil Hat ones do, actually. Evil Hat have really good interactive character sheets on Roll20. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also Lancer, which has a whole dedicated website for the character sheets and stuff like that. So, once again, games like those that have kind of dedicated web tools will make things a lot easier for you as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Alright. Uh, I'll read this one from Alex. Other than the obvious D4, what component of any game would you least want to step on?
1: Oh, this is easy. Go on then. Tyranids.
0: (laughs) Tyranids.
1: Honestly, have you ever put together a Tyranid army? Or like an Orc army? They are covered in spikes. Yeah. Like the amount of like puncture wounds you come out with (laughs) after trying to hold something together to glue it. Stepping on that thing would... I don't think I'd ever walk again. Yeah,
0: I think that's perfect. Because there's also the added heartbreak of if it's a painted model and put together... Yeah, you've broken it as well. Yeah, you feel kind of emotionally, you know... Pained as well as physically pained. Mm. So <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: anything particularly pointy, maybe like um, I imagine stepping on the pyramid in in Camel Up might hurt quite a lot as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, just this this a big D4, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, right.
1: my poor feet of getting empathy pain I'm just like. Uh. There's um, there's also like you know everyone always says the Lego brick is the worst thing to step on. There are entire Lego board games where the mm. whole board is made of Lego. Imagine stepping on one of those. Yeah, my oh, lord.
2: I think there are much worse things than the Lego brick to step on, mm. easily. Your example, for example, Wheels. Like, mm. that, that would be much worse than the Lego brick because it's all spiky. Anything all that's all got spiky. particularly harsh angles...
1: I think I think the thing about Lego bricks is really sturdy. Mm. So, like, eventually the model would, would break under the weight of a human, but, like, the Lego brick, it just goes all the way <laughs> yeah. up, you know? And if like you catch an edge <laughs> as
0: well, that's... Mm, mm.
1: God, yeah. That's why plugs. Plugs are also bad. Oh, yeah. Just plugs are terrible. Yeah, so it's just... yeah, You might as well be impaled. <laughs> uh, there's
0: your answer. Don't step on a Tyranid. Um, <laughs>
1: in in real life or in the fantasy of it, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: all right, uh, Wills, would you like to read this last one uh, from Angay, uh on Twitter? Valenti Apologies,
1: angai, okay. um, who says, uh, "What do you feel are your personal formative board games?" Um, I think for me, it was probably Carcassonne. Carcassonne was the first one that so I remember like it was a it was a Christmas present from my brother, um, and he was like, "Oh my." You know, my mates at uni say this this, this board game's amazing. Because we used to play... Because I played a lot of Risk as well. Risk was a pretty formative one for me um, with my brothers. So he got that and I was just like, oh, board games can be pretty good, actually. Um, and that was what sort of got me investigating and finding out about new things. And I think that's when I started actually looking at heavier ones. And I, I got Quantum, I think, was my first oh, wow. like, proper proper big board game that mm. I bought. That's the it was in like space a, game? It was like the Guardians' best board games of the year or something. Huh the space yeah like like sort of uh lightweight 4x game mm. which is really good actually i really like quantum
0: yeah mm
2: hmm, i've got a really bad memory when it comes to these sort of things like i have like vague memory shifting around of some of the first board games i played other than like your standard you know um monopoly and whatever um like I think one of the first board games I was kind of introduced to as like okay this is a modern board game and my friends at uni were were quite big into the hobby so they kind of introduced me to to it was um it was either Shadows of Camelot um which is a co-op game where you it's Arthurian and you, you know you play as um, these knights uh, trying to save. Camelot from, you know, encroaching uh, in- armies, but like one of the players can potentially be a traitor. I think we played without the traitor to kind of make it more easy for me to get into it. Or it was Dead of Winter, maybe. I just remember us. Sp- Dead of Winter was
1: really early for me as Yeah,
2: I, I just remember playing Dead of Winter a lot uh, back when I was first kind of getting into board games uh, because I've always enjoyed horror as a theme uh so that was you know something that drew me in but also because it can be a holy co-op game even though it's better to play with the traitors um it's a lot easier for to get someone less experienced into Mm. into the game by saying okay this is how we do this and everything so yeah it's probably either one of those mr jarvis
0: yeah i Dead of Winter, for me as well, was quite an early on one. I think I weirdly had a very similar kind of progression to you, Wheels. where growing up, I played played Lord of the Rings Risk um, every summer um, with friends, uh, like dozens of times. Um, So, yeah, and from there, I then went on to kind of the classics because I think I picked them up in Waterstones. It was Carcassonne, it was Catan. um, It was probably Ticket to Ride at some point. And from there, I then suddenly shot to the deep end of playing Eclipse a lot. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it was Eclipse and then Betrayal, A House on the Hill Um, and The Resistance. I got really deep into The Resistance for a long time Mm. Um, and just social deduction games. Um, But yeah, it was was a similar kind of thing of Risk is not a great game, but there's enough of the kind of I think it's different from something like Monopoly in that there is more strategy there, so you can kind of see yeah, the this, the sketching.
1: It's of. kind of like a hint at like, hey, there could be something here. Do you yeah, know what I mean, like a sort of it's it's very very easy to pick up and and just be like, okay, cool, that was fun. But then you're just sort of like, God, I've got an itch now for like something that's a bit more full mm. of an experience than that. Um, which I think is a good way of really just jumping into the deep end, like you said.
0: Yeah, but I think that's particularly the Resistance was one of those games where i i didn't play werewolf like none of my friends played werewolf or anything like that and so when i played the resistance that was a a real moment of like wow like Mm. board games can be or like party games can be like this um Mm. and just that realization of like it's it like it goes beyond the board right it's like you're you're kind of lying to each other for real um it Mm. kind of breaks those boundaries um obviously it's all in the frame of a game but it's very social you're kind of you know it's not just oh I roll a, a die and see what happens uh, it's like a, I am in control of what I'm doing here um, so yeah I think there was a lot of that and then at some point I veered off into Pathfinder for a while and played RPGs for a long time but <laughs> there, was,
1: there was also like a, a Rograts board game that I had as a kid wow <laughs> Great uh And it was like you had the little characters, but they were on—I think they were on like little ball bearings—and then it Whoa. was like a slanted board, and you had to get them up, but they'd fall down. And it, yeah, it was. Really- yeah, there
0: a, <laughs> there's like a classic game that's like that, like the big wooden—I can't remember what it's called. It sounds similar. Like, I can't think of what it's like. A, it's another mm. thing like crokinole, where it dates back hundreds of years, and it's more of kind mm. of like a. It's yeah, more of a Rats pastime game, than a board game. Yeah, the Rugrats. Yeah, game, yeah. Like hundreds, hundreds
2: of years. Years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one of the the games that my mum brought up uh the other day was called Don't Tip the Waiter. We used to play it a lot as, as kids. Uh not as in like money. Oh, tipped. don't
1: make him fall over.
2: Yeah, no, it's not like we're sat there going, Oh service workers. Um no, it was the, the waiter was like Balance between these two. So it, their legs were like held up. This, this part of their body that would swing, like with <laughs> with the change in balance. So they held like a plate, and you'd have to put food on it. Oh
0: god, it's like buckaroo, but like a, yeah, I was about to say a bucking
2: Yeah, it's like a bucking bronco, but like you had to try and make sure that the plate was balanced enough so that the weight didn't tip. Uh, one way or the other, but um, mm. Lord knows what's happened to that in my parents' house. Probably up with the Pokemon cards, right <laughs> away.
1: Pop-up Pirate as well yeah, was mm. another formative one, although finding out that it was the same slot every time that would pop the Pirate up, and therefore just knowing never to go on the bottom of the barrel was <laughs> we kind of broke that game after a while. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, one came to mind and now I've completely forgotten it. Oh, I feel like it's it's one of those weird things where Looking back, like I haven't played Carcassonne in ages, but I still think if someone offered, I'd be like, oh, "Yeah, sure." Like yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd go back I to it that. At
1: Christmas actually, yeah, I played it with my partner at Christmas. So I was like, "Do yeah, you know what? Like, it's all right." I know this is, I know this is a very easy game, but it's also hmm. really good. Like <laughs> uh,
0: the one I was thinking of, is the Lord of the Rings, the co-op game by Rainer Kanitsia, who I obviously didn't know at the time. But, yeah, but
1: so. I, I owned that mm. because we bought it. My family bought it. We I feel like we had a very similar Yeah, Were well, we
0: just you, actually the same person in different maybe, timelines? Who knows?
1: It's that three county area. <laughs> we're all the same people. Um but like we so like yeah, we bought the Rider the Lord of the Rings game and we're like, Oh cool, it's the Lord of the Rings and then I think we spent about ten minutes reading the rules and just went uh <laughs> house. Yeah, just sat in my house for years, <laughs> never being played. And I remember, I remember like going back and finding it, and I've got it here with me now. Like I found it, and I was like, "Oh, this is Reiner Knizia," because mm. like then I knew who it was. I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Like, I remember buying this and not knowing what it was. Speaking of uh,
0: things to not tread on, uh, we had like a running joke because for it's just complete coincidence. It wasn't like we were doing it out of, you know, malice, but Fatty Bulger, the, the character piece for Fatty Bulger kept getting trodden on. Bol- so he ended up being super glued back together about six times. Um so kind of had like slightly blobbed limbs where the super glue had to dry multiple times. Um
1: my my one running joke that I use every time I introduce someone to that game is you can play as all your favourite right. hobbits from the film. You can play Frodo, Sam, Mary, Pippin Fatty.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we re-watched we, we the extended editions uh, of Lord of the Rings over the Christmas break and Fatty Bulger does get a name check at the start of Whoa! Fellowship which I don't I think I'd ever realised before but I caught it. So it's just a one like one sentence pass off of someone saying, hey Fatty or something like that.
2: Like, yeah,
0: I mean they they could have just been insulting someone. No, it, yeah. they,
1: <laughs> it was Fatty Bulger. Um, what? What set of parents is naming their child when they know full well that their surname is Bulger? <laughs> naming their child Fatty? That's just,
2: just I don't know, maybe they're just like <laughs> letting them sort of, I don't know, you know, they're owning it. Maybe maybe they thought it was like,
1: oh, this guy's well endowed. Maybe they were like, you know, they were trying to give them like
2: a... (laughs) No! Don't go
1: there! (laughs) Right.
2: (laughs) Ah, What's going on with with, with video and articles?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen my fatty bulger? Oh no! <laughs>
2: you were supposed to help us steer away. You allowed it. You are feeding him.
1: This is the thing. People think, oh, you know, Matt's the dad. He'll he'll bring it back in. He he's just as he's just as naughty as the rest of us.
0: Well, that oh, is God. that is all we've got time for this week. Well, almost all we've got time for. Uh, Will's. Before before yes. we leave this behind us, please, um, tell us what's coming up on the video side on youtube.com slash Dicebreaker.
1: So on... You um, will be watching this on Friday or afterwards, but let's assume it's Friday for you. So on Wednesday, we would have put up our DIN Let's Play, the game that I was talking about at the start. Uh, and then the day before um, this goes live, we would have live-streamed the Draw From Memory Community Challenge stream, which <gasps> is an idea that we kind of uh, hatched when we were just idly chatting, which uh, is kind of a folk game that we're going to try out, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, but then on Saturday, which will be tomorrow, if you're watching this on the day it comes out, we are going to start our first episode um, of uh, our Dungeon Breaker season break, where we are going to be playing Soulbound, The Warhammer Age of Sigmar. Fantasy RPG, um, and we've got a big tree. Uh, we've got an eel. It's all. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be fantastic. <laughs> I'm gonna be GMing for this one. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm GMed in a lot of while, um, but yeah, that's that's gonna be good. Um, but then content to come, still to be decided. So after that, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. Um, but obviously, we will be we will be having Soulbound uh, each week mm-hmm. until we return to Dungeon Breaker. So look forward to that every Saturday. I yeah. am
0: looking forward to it. Wheels, uh, even by the time. People hear this. I will have already played it, but I'm I'm excited to play that game, and I'm excited for you to GM again. Mm. It will be yeah, you are an
2: excellent storyteller.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: oh my! <laughs> Thank you. Uh,
0: coming up over on Dicebreaker.com, uh, we have uh, by the time this goes out live, we'll have a review of the latest uh, attempt to bring aliens to the tabletop, which is another glorious day in the core. Finally, uh, a nice compact title. Um, But we'll have a review of that. It sounds pretty good. Um, There have been some good Aliens games, some not-so-good Aliens games, but this sounds like it falls into the former. Uh, So if you want a full read of that, uh, go and check it out on the website. Uh, We also have, coming up in the next week or so, uh, we'll have Matt Cox writing about uh, chess, uh, particularly after watching The Queen's Gambit, uh, how he started to see chessboards floating on the ceiling and start to experience basically the Tetris effect, but for chess um whoa, which is a really good whoa. it's a really good read
2: it's Matt Cox the Queen's Gambit big Matt Cox that's how it works
0: the, yeah
1: the chess champion of the world
0: um so yeah look forward to that it's a it, it was it was really interesting having not watched the Queen's Gambit I could see uh, a lot of kind of when you just fall in love with a game and that's all you see everywhere and it's all you want to play mm. um so yeah it's a really good read uh we also have coming up we have well, this might be next week or it could be in the next few weeks. We have pieces on uh, indie RPGs and maybe why you should consider playing something other than D&D uh, in 2021 and how they can go beyond what you might expect from an RPG. We'll have pieces on uh, the representation of disabilities in RPGs. Uh, we'll have Alex Meehan uh, taking a look at some of the best board games that you can find right now. Yeah. Right now, this second, apart yes, from that now. piece probably isn't live by now. Uh, but Immediately? soon.
1: Immediately.
0: Um <laughs> so yeah, look forward to that. And then we will have, of course, many more features, interviews, previews, reviews, and all that stuff on dicebreaker.com. Mm. So go and check it out. But for now, that is this week's Dicebreaker Podcast. Thank you for being here. Michael Wiz and Wikipedia.
1: <laughs> Michael Wiz Wheelan's Wikipedia.
0: <laughs> I mean, after after how we opened Michael this podcast. The <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah thanks very much for having me <laughs> <laughs>
0: thanks for being here Alex Mian.
2: beans
0: alright
1: glorious beans
0: <laughs> I've been Matt Jarvis uh, thank you for getting this far and suffering through with me uh, in, you until we, return, until yeah, we mate, return, this, ne-
1: don't lie this has been our best episode
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> until we return next Friday with another episode of the Breaker Podcast stay safe out there look after yourselves enjoy some games and have a lovely day bye bye, bye.